0: Welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana coming out of New York City and today after a long hiatus I was able to get in touch with one of my oldest friends in the industry from the UK side a favorite of London town the two brothers that I know for I mean as long as I've been traveling across that ocean into the UK you all know them as Zoo Crew, Groove Odyssey Guys, 51st State, I know them as Bobby and Steve, two of the nicest fellas I ever met, especially when I first began coming over. They welcomed me with open arms. Um, It was, you know, you have to realize when you're coming abroad for the first time in your life and you're meeting people you never worked with before, or they're not sure they played your records but don't really know you, I was always welcomed a warm reception from these two these two fellas, Um, and decades later, with trials and tribulations and all that stuff that we all go through, they're still here doing what they believe, playing soulful house music, making soulful house music, you know what I'm saying? And purveying the London flag all over UK and Europe, bringing it to Ibiza and Europe. So enough of me, of what I've been saying about them. It's going to be enough for this man to say what he's going to say. I'd like to welcome from Bobby and Steve, Bobby Lavinier half of the duo, the magic duo. He's here in the flesh. Bobby, thank you for agreeing to do this, brother. Thank you so yeah, much.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Lenny. Thank you for um, inviting me, us, onto your show and allowing us to tell our story and use your platform to tell our story. Truly yeah. Yeah. and i love the intro as well thank you it's the truth wow.
0: though you know when i first came over you guys were well open you know i'll never forget that you said yo come work with us come play on. i was like wow you know because you don't get that all the time you know that you don't get those welcomes like that from everyone and then,
1: and then do, do you know what i i i I hope and I believe and I, I know it's 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 this not a show. It wasn't a show and it's still not a show. That's who we are. That's the core of Bobby and Steve. Do you know what I mean? We welcome people, you know, and from day one, as, as you people here who don't know our story will hear, we we welcome people. And as you opening the platform now for me, we've been we've had a platform laid out since 1984, and bringing people on. Do you know what I mean? And sharing and that because that's just who we are, man. That's just who we are. And we're grateful for that We thank the Lord We thank the universe For blessing us with that Because Everything comes back around You know You give love The love comes back man
0: Yeah That's always It's a wonderful feeling That horseshoe effect What goes out Comes back In, a, in yeah. a wonderful way And You know I know you've been on BBC And you've been telling The story about Stevie And we'll, we'll get into that In a moment yeah. um, Which has made you Really come up To a different <laughs> because of what we dealt with with COVID and both of you going through COVID and still dealing with COVID in different ways now, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely definitely has – I'm a very positive guy. I mean, it's never very positive people. Um, But what this has done, 2020, March 2020, and from there onwards, uh, uh, has just um, shown me a beautiful thing as though it's a negative – Story. It's really put um, just a lot of love, more love inside of me, and positivity. It really, really has. You know what I mean? And I'll, I'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah he- because it's we didn't important. Hear more of that. Yeah, but you know, everyone
0: wants to know the story behind you guys, it's important uh, because you know, everyone, each one of you, have a piece to the big picture puzzle. And without each piece, you can't complete it, if you know what I mean. And fixtures yeah. of both you and your brother are so eminent in the scene. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about now. So everybody knows, here we go. I always ask that same question. How does it all begin when you guys are young kids finding the music or the music finding you?
1: Um, The music found us. Where um, me and Steve are two of, of, eight, of eight children, right? We've got, we've got six siblings each, and um, we um, come from a place in Forest Gate in East London. Um, our older sister now is 65, 66, and then uh, second, and then the youngest is 47. But me and Steve are 59 years old, and on uh, this month on the 18th so we're born in 63 so all of our family our siblings are like two three four years apart you know very very close family and me and Steve being identical twins as well the definition of identical twins I'll say um we didn't really need anyone even though as we got older we had this big squad (laughs) do you know what I mean but um we would follow um as our sister Sonia in our house, our dad used to play all the records of John Greaves and all that, and, you know, the Oliver Franklin and stuff like that. Um, so we got into soul music, um, you know, the classic old soul when we was really young, I suppose, just hearing it, you know. Um, so consciously it's there, isn't it, in the background, rolling right away. The then as we got older, um, I would say in our maybe 11, 12 ish, just when we go into secondary school. Um, we started, you know, involving different music to the reggae scene. We even had, in them days, we had a reggae sound of like 13, 14. We got into the reggae and then we back into the soul. Our, our second older sister, Sonia, she um, was what you call a boogie girl, right? Poor Anderson, you know what I mean? Following all that kind of thing and Froggy, the late great Froggy and stuff like that. And she would have um, like Greg Edwards on. He he was a, a DJ playing also music on Capital Radio and stuff, and she would have all the other stations on. So as we were running around, because me and Steve were little footballers when we were young, when we was like eleven years old, we was playing um, for all these professional clubs as, as kids, right? So we was running around every day playing football, going to school but playing football, football, football. So music again was always in the background. Then and then it must have been about we left school in 1980. We were sixteen years old. It must have been about 1978. So about 1977-ish. We were hearing more of the music and the disco and stuff and all that funk stuff, which my sister was playing in the house. Um, And then we started, uh, we heard about Crackers. Crackers nightclub was uh, a Friday lunchtime. It was a lunchtime thing, right? The club would open on lunchtime in in, in the West End, just off of Tottenham Court Road, off Oxford Street down there. So we would bunk school and loads of us would go down there. for the fun of it to begin with, honestly. And then the music sort of came after that, going down there because this bunking school was with the boys, you know. But then we, then it was Paul Anderson that was DJing there. This name came around. Paul Anderson was DJ there. This is when we was at school. 1978. Um, So we would be in there with all the boys and that, all that firm. And then my sister, Sonia, as well, used to go down because she used to work. All the workers who were dancers, who used to go to the club. They used to leave on their lunch break, would go to the club because they never sold alcohol there. Go to the club and then um, go back to work. We bunk school, go to the club, and not go back to school. <laughs> but that was that. So that that was our first nightclub experience into the into the boogie disco thing like that, you know. And um, I'm Chantel Curtis. I think it's on Pine Records. Get another love. After going to the to this to, to Crackers, uh, must have been in 1979. That's before we left school. We bought our first disco record, like Chantelle Curtis, Get another Love it was down the market, walking down Piccadilly Lane Market, which is the market in London, on a Sunday, and we heard the record. We thought, that's the record we heard on a couple of days ago. And that was our first thing about buying that record there. So it wasn't like someone said, you have to go to the club. Poirier is playing there, George Power. We was following our squad, basically. Yeah, we was going around with all the boys there. And that was that. So, and then, if, So we've left school in 1980. We're going out clubbing. I mean, we was going clubbing when we was 14 years old now, you know, 15 years old. No, when we was, was working school there, 1978, when we was about 15, 16, we started going to other clubs. Uh, we was into soul music. Yes, a lot of two-step music was out there, uh, what the DJs were playing. Um, and then we was going to the clubs then, but not on a serious note. You know, you're growing up and you just, you, you, you're just finding your way. And then what happened was... There was a, uh, where we're from in Forest Gate in East London, there's a local pub called Simpsons. Mm. Um, We we used to go down there all the time and drink, and we knew the the manager. Anyway, the place got refurbished, and it was amazing. And we said, we was at the bar before we went out. We used to go to a club called Bentley's on a Friday night, which a lot of people used to go to. Um, The late, great Derek Boland used to play there. And um, so Simpsons became like the pre-drink for us, right? So we'd go down there with the boys me and Steve and a good friend of ours Michael James were sitting at the bar and we said to Jim Jim you need to get some a DJ in here we never DJed before do you know what I mean never DJed never promoted we just said and he was serving someone who'd have a he turned around and goes why don't you guys do it? and just like that the good lord <laughs> he pointed at us and, he, and we looked me and Steve looked at each other Michael we just said yeah let's do it that was it. Like the light shined on you. Oh, yeah. It's Like <laughs> the spotlight was on and that was it. That that was our introduction into that. Because I, I was working. Willis school sixteen. I was um I was working as a gas I'm a, a gas safe engineer for British Gas. Right. That was my my first and only job I've had really had besides the music. And Steve was in retail. So not as if it wasn't a business plan. We were earning money. We was earning good money. We were surviving. And plus, we were doing our little hustle on the side. So did and you it, actually
0: have to go to school to be trained to do the gas fitting?
1: Yeah, I left school at 16. And I had the job before. I'd done a three-year apprenticeship in gas service engineering. I'm still a qualified gas service engineer now.
0: That's what I figured. That's what, that's what okay.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still, I'm still, I've still got that qualification. now. to be fresh. That, but that's another look. That's another story. But I'm blessed to have that cuz it's helped me financially. You know, a great and listen. It's a great job to have because oh, yeah. better
0: and having a plumber ready to at your disposal when necessary cuz you got yeah. no plumbing,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, grateful, thankful for that big time, for that um that job. So what happened was we um so we said, yeah, we'll do it. Now we went out for the night. Saturday morning we woke up hanging we had a hangover, and we said, shit, because we were living at our mum's house then, right? And then we said, uh, we've got to do this gig. What are we going to do? So we said, oh, God, what are we going to call ourselves? Now, going back to 1978, it was, I believe, there's a film called Thank God It's Friday. When we was at school, we went to the pictures to see it, and that was the, um, the late-great Donna Summer. That was her debut acting performance in Thank God It's Friday, right? That film was based around a club called Disco. Called Zoo. And when I was at school, so this is 1970, we were like 15 or whatever, 14 down on 15. We, this is how things align in life, right? Because we said, after that movie, it me, Steve, and our friend Wayne Mitchell, we went to watch it in the movies. After that, when my friends asked, and we said, if ever we get a club, not DJ, if ever we own a club, we're going to call it Zoo. Now, this is two young guys, 40, 15 years old, nothing else in the mind about the future, getting a club, doing deep. No, it's just one of them things. We're going to call you Zoo. So this was nineteen, well, 1978, 79. So fast forward back, no, go to 84. We thought, what are we going to call ourselves? And then Steve said, remember that film? We hadn't spoken about it for six years or whatever it was. Let's call ourselves Zoo. So we called ourselves Zoo Solby. We got an 84-bit paper like this. We wrote, it, we wrote the fly, we cut it, done it into three, into six sections, right? And we just put Zoo Selby, uh, Bobby, B-O-B-B-I and Steve, and then our friend Michael James and the place, and we cut them up. We've done that. We photocopied them, got to the shop, photocopied them, cut them up, gave them out in our area before it was Because we was well-known and we knew a lot of people, right? Um, because of our family, well-known, because we, we you know, was going around with people who grew up, it was our age, it was our, our, our neighbourhood. and. That, so we had seven days to promote. We hired a Citronic DJ system, two phonic Citronic turntables and a mixer. It was beautiful. All sparkling white covered leather, white Citronic boxes. Because the place was lovely. So we thought, we've got to get a nice system. And that was it. Started playing our music and that. We were playing some soul. We was playing soul and some go-go was in and some cool hip-hop. Um, and that was that. The place was packed. 200, 250 people. Without any plan, <laughs> that was the
0: beginning of of, of our career. With and ease, everything went to plan. There was
1: no pitfall, no like, oh my god, this is like. There was no plan. The plan was: where's the A four bit of paper? And what are we going to call ourselves? But it was all stored right from back in the day, from you know, from Fan God it's Friday. It was stored there without us really knowing what was going. That's how you you have to believe in what what's what's meant to be the universe and you've got to believe in something, man. And that's, that's where, it, that's where it came from. And 38 years later, we haven't stopped. Right. And I, I consider proud to say that because, um, that was the beginning. And again, we was both working still. Um, the place was packed. It took off really, really good. And then Kiss FM was pirate then. There was illegal radio then. Right. So Gordon Mack, um, he, in them days, it was about sound system in your area. Who was big in the area? It was us in that area, another sound called Funkadelic, Trevor Nelson, Trevor Manhattan, has. Trevor Nelson, who was a soul DJ. He was from Hackney, so he was big there. And, you yeah, know, Jazzy B from North London. Everything, every area had its little niche of who was doing it. it weren't a million leaders like it is now. So work got around because we had people not just from Forest Gate, we come from coming down. People started coming down from West London, North, South, East. You know what I mean? They started coming down. It was the spot before you went to Bentley's. We created this spot now. So Gordon came down and said, if you wanted to join KISS FM. Hadn't done any radio. We said, yeah, 100%. So I think about six months after that, when we started, (laughs) from that, I went on to radio, um, which was a great start of of something else because really, really took took to the radio big time. Um, No training, nothing. It was just a natural thing. I just loved. So that, that was really cool. And, you know, we had a great career with KISS FM, moved along with our, with our thing, and then we became, um, meeting up with Norman Jay, all, all the KISS FM guys that was on there. Um, Norman Jay and stuff, the rear groove was in then, so we was part of that movement. And um, the warehouse situation came in, um, you know, because you wouldn't really go and get West End clubs, but you'd just get warehouses. I mean, back in the day then, in the um, uh, in the mid-80s, Whatever loophole there was in the law, we would like. them days you can go to an estate agent, right, to get a, to get a key for a house to view a house. So we'd look for these houses that just got refurbished. We like places. It sounds like we always jump into places that got refurbished. It sounds like Simpsons, and then we found we'd look, find houses that got that was you know waiting to be sold or whatever, and then we get this. Uh, Girlf- uh, girlfriend of ours I mean you this girl was a friend of ours she would go and ask for the key they would give you the key not go with you for a meeting then so we'd cut the key our other friend dapo would sort the electrics out and we started doing house parties illegal house parties at in the mid just eight586 85 fish 86, 86 so we are doing house parties in our area and then we found this warehouse in is as well, as a big clothes shop that closed down. On the back of it, there was an alleyway, and we thought, oh, there's a warehouse there. <coughs> Broke into that, sorted the electrics out. We had that warehouse. Steve made me laugh. Steve said, this is ours then. We had that warehouse running, right, with had two parties for about nine months. We had Norman and Jay come down from Carnival. Everyone was coming and playing for us. Yeah, and that was our – so we really built up a lot of stuff in East London. Like that. And then we started doing clubs. 1988 uh, was our first West End club. Um, we called it Club Zoo. It was a beautiful club. And that again reminded us of um, the Thank God it's Friday film because it was a really plush club. We've gone from these warehouse parties and to it's in Piccadilly Circus, right in the center of, of, of London, right? Swallow Street, just off Regent Street it was. So we got this club and they let us do on a Wednesday night. And uh, it was just disco. Disco and boogie, you know, Leeward Burgess stuff and sweet thing, um, conversion. That was the groove, you know, and all underground boogie stuff that we used to play, we used to play. And um, it was us, Paul Anderson, yeah, Colin Dell, Fabio from Fabio and Groove Rider. He was in tour, there. he was one of our residents down there, Hendersons, a few of us. And that was our first introduction to the West End clubs, our own parties, basically. Yeah, and that was, that was 1988. But going back a bit, um, because we got panning with and got friendly with Norman J, um, such a great guy. We, we owe so much to Norman uh, for musical education. Um, and just the point of him going to New York in 987 and playing at the, the seminar that was at there, right? The conference. And he said, I'm gonna take if I want to, I'm gonna go and play here. If anyone wants to come, they can come with me, pay our own way, but we all stay together, right? Move as a tribe, but we all stay together. I remember we stayed at a YMCA. Um Femi, Femi, Femi was there as well, Femi B, um, from the Young Disciples. There was a few of us there. And uh, part of that week's trip, on that week trip, was going to the Paradise Garage. Now, hand on heart, just like 87, never heard of the Paradise Garage. Never heard of Larry Levan. if I did, it wasn't nothing that was, we was on it, me and Steve, right? So we ended up going to this club, the, this club. Well, let, me show,
0: let me show some pictures around that time when you were around. So here we are, 1987, there in New York.
1: Yeah. Floating yeah, around.
0: There's
1: there. me, hands up in the air. <laughs> they going to Vinyl Mania. They're yeah, original, original pictures, man. Vinyl Mania Records. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So you wind up
0: going to the garage. That summer, it would have been that summer, right? Before it closed. Yeah, three
1: months before it shut down. And um, we was just like blown away. Yeah, we went to other clubs in London, but it was like, we hadn't experienced anything like this. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you know, the closer you get to that in London would have been ministry, but that wasn't even born yet. You know, what no. know what I mean, it's in So we had this experience and we just thought, wow, 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 wow. And the music, because we knew about disco and stuff. The music and uh Ralphie Rizarre used to hold me, with playing all these, and it was like, oh my god. Anyway, at the end of that night, someone said, Oh, everyone's going to the record shop. This must have been it's in the morning because people used to go around to vinyl mania. So we followed the crowd. The pictures told the story. We ended up going to Final Mania. <coughs> I don't think that was the, the after the garage. Okay, right? I think, yeah, that was another time. Even though we look shattered, dead, but still, <laughs> <laughs> we went back and we went back and we went back and bought all these records, And It was just, um, it was just such an experience. And I found these pictures that you're showing there. I only found them in the last year, I believe. I thought, where's these pictures? Oh. We've got many, many more. So that was our introduction to Paramount's Garage, 1987. See the record bags everywhere. Look at them.
0: Yeah, that's DJ's. See, that's what I'm talking about. They bought out the store to bring back home. Yeah,
1: man. Take Jay, that, take that. That. <laughs> yeah, we, we we was we was in it, man. But again, all that's supposed to happen. And that's why I say, you know, we're so, so grateful for Norman J. For him being you know, the, the listener. The link will go from far back, won't it? But Norman was our link to bring us there. And this is what happened. So we came back to London. It's 1987. And. Um, KISS again, we we started doing other clubs and everything else, slowly playing a bit of house in, in, in some of our parties, but the crowd wasn't really for it. Then one of probably to play boogie, wants to play soul, wants to play a disco, which is fine, because that's where our heart has always been and still is. Um so then we got KISS FM came on legal in 1990, and I gave up the gas board, gave up my job, Steve gave up his job, and we knew we could make a full-time career out of this, right? Because we've got the promotional um, skills already at hand and um, you know we built up a great following so KISS came on in 1990 we gave up the jobs we started this new club the same night our show came on on a Friday night we found that we not found we got hold of another club bang in the centre of West End again um, off, off Tottenham Court Road it was downstairs it's called Club Zoo underground club wicked about 200 250 max so we done that every single Friday no house just soul and boogie like what we was doing. And everyone, done more, Dunmore, done more, everyone from the industry used to come down there, right? It was, it was a big, big night. And then we started introducing house to our crowd down there. And honestly, at the beginning, they would just stop and look. <laughs> yeah, because a boogie crowd doesn't want to hear house music. Well, they wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, He wasn't, house was obviously building up in, in the UK. It was 1990, obviously people were playing house our crowd, <laughs> who had been with us since we started, in was like, you know, what's going on? He wasn't, you know, it, not everyone was stopped, but he was one of them. And he only I'm going to tell you this, it's only pre-COVID. It must have been about three and a half years ago. We were doing an interview, me and Steve, and Steve said, he was. we were telling this story. Steve said, yeah, well, Bob, don't you remember when you used to play the records at the house when we come back and people just look at you and think, what are you doing, Bob? And then Steve said, but you continued, didn't you? You continued playing it, playing it, playing it. And look where it is now. And even saying that now makes me get a bit emotional about it because it's true. Without even thinking, I wasn't thinking, really, "No, fuck you, like I'm going to keep doing it." It was just something we kept on doing, not slamming their face, but slowly, 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 and it just worked. So that that was Club Zoo, which was a really great run for a couple of years. Um, so this is 1990. So 1991 now. Kiss FM, um, JM from Kiss FM, and Gordon Mac. They wanted to start a club's department, right? because Kiss was big, controlling things in London, and everyone was doing parties, and Kiss didn't have no parties. So they wanted to do a night. They wanted to do a promotion, start up a promotions team. So they approached me and Steve, and Steve said "See me, let's do a house night. I said, what? After the backlog, we've been getting, he goes, let's just do our first house night. And Steve said, let's call Out city, just like that. Bang, bang, bang. Steve, Steve, Steve's the ideas, man. Bang, bang, bang. No stopping him. When I mean, he's on a roll. Yeah, he's, he's on a roll. He's wow. selling.
0: He's constantly selling the idea. All the
1: time. Before you, know,
0: before, before you get into this, i got to ask a few questions. They're very important. You mentioned about Kiss FM and Gordon Mack and taking you from the club. Where did you guys get the idea for the styling of the show? to create this Bobby and Steve show? Was it just something that you just says, we're going to just try this? Or was there DJs that you heard on the radio over the years that, you know, like Frankie Crocker? for me was a big inspiration, New York, for example.
1: So again, I think it's, um, so constantly just picking up things throughout the year. I've always been, every time I used to hear a big D a good DJ on the radio before we got into DJ and I would be like, okay, so maybe I'm picking up things in my head or whatever. And I've always been into, um, good presentation, you know, good radio presentation and, and good links. You know, when you're talking over a record, the next thing, bang, the next records I'm not talking about mixed. I'm talking about playing records now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just talking and, 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 and putting together a show. Um, so I'm glad you asked that because it is, it is important, right? And I, I shouldn't just wash over the kiss FM. No, because that's very important. Right, because one of the, well, the main thing why I know that our show was so successful besides the music and besides um, the atmosphere will be, was the energy and the love. Every, we wasn't pretending to create this energy. You know, we just, we're not going to go, yeah, that was that, and that was that, and, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, full. we're full of life. God has given us, the universe has given us life. Live your life, man. Just like, so we was always proud of what we've done and what we're doing and Even if we didn't know how to do something, we wouldn't just be 10, we would just be confident enough to say this is what we're gonna do. Same as the promotion back when we started, and we didn't know how to promote, but let's give it a go, right? There was no book, there's no book to really do. There's books now you can publish to how to do this, how to do that. Everything just came natural. Right. I would put in so much time, and George Steve would join me as well, into producing the show ourselves, because it was important for me to know what i'm going to say for the first opening and the first couple of records just to get them links and i had a way of just writing touch some little things down and put l link so when i'm trying to hit next button i had my own method and it just worked you know what i mean and the energy okay so even last weekend um i think our biggest fan base must have been the taxi drivers in london right because even up to this day, last week, um, me and my wife stayed in the hotel last Saturday. And we got in a taxi from London to come home. And the guy goes, Well, you've been at clubbing? And I said, No, 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 just having a rest. We don't no, no, you go clubbing? You look like your club. And I said, No, 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 I'm just sort yes and no. Da, da. You go, then he started talking. He goes, I said, I did DJ a little bit. Then I don't want to just say, Yeah, Bob, promised it. Forget all that. It's not important. So I said, Yeah, I'll DJ a little bit. I said, Yeah, would you DJ? Said, just do parties here and there. What's your name? Bobby? Oh, okay. You're not Bobby for Bobby and Steve, I <laughs> said, <so>, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, listen, you listen, not talking about the clubs now. I used to listen to you on Kiss FM. That's right. Like I said, we have a whole new market of, of, of people who don't go clubbing. So now, well, let me,
0: so let me some kudos. Everyone around the world, pay attention closely. So guys like myself or Louis Vega or any of us were making the records And we wanted to make sure, of course, Trouble had it. But the other parts were Bobby and Steve. So we would get acetates or dat taped to them. And if they loved it, they would start championing it on the show. And if they started talking about it, it opened the ears and eyes of everyone else. So, So they were game changers. Not only just being radio personality DJs, but they also broke records when records were still in a very... Early underground stage. That's important. Yeah, don't ever forget that, people. These guys, what they've done, you know, strength to strength. That they believed in you, they championed it, and they yelled about it on the
1: microphone. Hold on, let me tell you what it is. (laughs) Boom, they go right back in. And 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 thing as well. And that was the, the, the thing as well. And yeah, did we have all and Paul Anderson rest in peace, our brother? Us and Paul, I mean, big time. Record papers were waiting there with stacks of acetates exclusive for us, and why not? Because business is business, right? And the thing about it is, with our show, we would give you all the information, we would tell you this, (laughs) we would give you this. We're (laughs) just having, yeah, Yeah. so it was a very educational show on that side of it, you know. Um, and of of course, the music we've always, like I said, like yourself, Lenny, right? We come from a disco, a soulful disco vibe, and I always say this. How, disco will never, soul music will never ever ever go away all these other genres which I, I love I don't hate anything, I don't hate anything in this world, music or anything, I ain't got time for hate music is about, it's about your soul, it's about getting in there, music heals, it's so powerful and with real music our music, our soul music chords, you know Philadelphia South Soul, strings and horns and everything else that's really where it's always been for me and Steve We love the underground, yeah, a bit, you know, strip it down a bit more, a bit raw. But our true heart?
0: Please search for part two of this podcast on the platform you're watching or listening to. And please do not forget to follow us.